welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolcott. And welcome into the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for logging on to the pen.org. Thanks for tuning in to the show. I'm your host, as always, Seth Woolcock. You can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Seth W. After a guest list episode last week, we're going to make up for it. We have Jake Trowbridge, the co-host of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. He's going to be joining us right around the corner. We got some beer reviews for you. We got some around the league, some buyer sells, and we'll round out the show with another edition of Start Sitting Seth. But before anything, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. All around, the world. around the League is presented to you by Villa 2. Villa 2 in Indiana, PA, is a pizzeria that meets bakery. You can experience the best of both worlds at Villa 2. The relaxed, family-owned eatery offers sweet, thin-crust pizza, traditional Villa pizza, wings, burgers, salads, and so much more. Delicious desserts are provided by Market Street Pastries. Check out their sweet treats such as macaroons, cheesecakes, cannolis, cream puff, brownies, and so much more. It's all located at 720 Philadelphia Street. Dine in, take out, or get your order delivered today by calling 724-465-2002. Again, that's Villa 2 in Indiana at 724-465-2002. All around the world. All right, welcome back to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined here in anticipation for Week 10 of the NFL and Fantasy Football regular season by Jay Trowbridge, co-host of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find him on the Twitter bird, at Jake Trowbridge. Jake, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, kind of a crazy week in the NFL. Kind of been a crazy season. Just, you know, happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. I like that. <laughs> Jake, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself as well as uh, your podcast so they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, as you astutely observed, I am Jake Trowbridge. Uh, I've been at this fantasy thing for a handful of years now. Um, currently write and edit over at Roto Baller and am a co-host for Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football. I uh, co-host that podcast with Dustin Lunt. And it's a once a week podcast as of the time being. You can find us at DTFF. Um, Hashtag DTFF. You can find us at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. And, uh, man, I'm just excited to, to be more than halfway through this season. Oh, and I'm still being surprised every week by what happens on the football field. It's, it's oh, it, it was a crazy, crazy week nine, I feel like. And fancy playoffs are approaching, so... As we all have our own opinions, analysis on everything that happens, it's really going to be a wild ride to the finish, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. I, I would be genuinely shocked if things went as planned at this <laughs> point in the season. Certainly, certainly. 
All right, Jake. So one of the traditions you have over there on Drinking Fantasy is a beer review to to start out each show. So uh, you got a beer over there for us. Yeah, I happen to have one. <laughs> you know, I had to dig deep in the fridge to find one. No, I of course am ready and, and willing to uh, to indulge a little. All right. Why don't you tell the listeners what we're drinking tonight? Well, I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada sidecar. It's an orange IPA, and uh, it's nice. It's refreshing. It, it, you know, it's it's not a fancy beer, I don't think. I think the name might imply that it's a little fancier than it, than it is, <laughs> even. Um, but but it's it's good. It's sessionable. I could have a handful of these on a on a hot day if I needed to, or on a cold winter's eve, like it is right now. That's what I'm talking about, man. That sounds like a sounds like a pretty good one. Hopefully, the listeners out here in PA can grab one of those at their local convenience store the next time they're out. Oh yeah. All right, tonight I got two beers for you. I'm double fisting with a couple of my favorites tonight. Uh, I like it. <laughs> we got Blue Moon Harvest Pumpkin Wheat. Get a little festive. It's still Halloween here in PA. Definitely can't go wrong with a blue moon, I feel like. And, you know, I, I'm pretty big into the pumpkin. I don't know about you. I don't know how that sits for you there, Jake. You know, I dabble in pumpkin, especially, you know, it is the season, obviously. We're still at the tail end of, of fall here, so I, I respect a, a good pumpkin beer, no doubt. All right, all right. And then I don't know if I'll get the same respect for this one, but I had to do <laughs> it for the boys back home. Uh, a little hometown favorite here. We got a... 16-ouncer Bush Light. Ooh, Bush. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I like to call a bowling beer. Um, it, it's one of those that it's, it's never going to steer you too wrong. Now, I am anti-Bud Light. I'm going to say that out of the gate. I'm anti-Bud Light. That might it's understandable. It's understandable. Way. But Bush, Bush Light, Coors Light, uh, I'm into those. I'm into those. Yeah, the, th- the thing about these is uh, sometimes you have a couple of these with the gentleman late. You can just keep going and going and going. And, you know, you wake up the next morning and you feel great. You're refreshed. You're hydrated. It's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are our beers for the night. Thank you for sharing, Jake. Uh, happy to have you in, man. What do you say we jump into some around the league? Let's do it. All right, I want to start here in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, he's now likely to be wide receiver two on the season after a huge 36-point performance. This is his second performance in a row, going over 30, his third of the season. Just a stellar performance from him. His opposition there, Chris Godwin, he's likely to be wide receiver four, barring anything crazy here on Monday night, but uh, another 13.9 PPR points added for Godwin. Jake, I've been trying to figure this out all season long. I've talked with a couple guests now. Is how is this Tampa Bay offense just producing two of you know the most dependable, outstanding wide receivers? Uh, I know Mike Evans. He dropped the donut. So again, like it, it's still there in the back of your mind. But how do you value these guys moving forward as we head to the playoffs? They're whether you like it or not. They're both auto starts the rest of the way. Um, Mike Evans, especially, this is his 
third game in a row with at least nine receptions and 96 yards, which is insanity. And he put up 198 the week prior, and he put up 180 this week. There's no way that you can risk leaving that on your bench. Same with Chris Godwin. You might not know which game is going to be the Chris Godwin game or the Mike Evans game, but if you play that odds wrong and you are missing those points, you're going to be kicking yourself a lot. So it's if you have both of them on your team somehow, God bless you, um, start them both. That's, that's my feelings on it. What about if if you're an owner or a want-to-be owner of one of these guys, how do you value them maybe out there in the trade market, or do you think they've just been so good as of late, they're untradeable? I think it's almost going to be impossible to get either one of them if you want them. I think it's going to require a drastic overpay. Um, I'm almost willing to do that with Chris Godwin here, however, because he's had a couple of down games, if you want to call them that. I mean, he still put up seven receptions and 61 yards this last game. Right. If you want, to, That's a down game for him, though, this year. And, and the week prior was even a little worse. I think if you can use that dip to go after him, I would. I would certainly try it. Um, I, I wouldn't sell. I, I personally, I'm holding both of these guys, redraft and dynasty at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in that. I just feel like this Tampa Bay defense is so rigid and just overall bad. I think they're going to be trailing in enough games. And other than the picks, James Winston seems to at least have taken a step forward in his progressions in getting the ball out quicker. You know, the turnovers, the fumbles, picks, they're still there. But I think overall, you're going to have just an absurd amount of volume and unlike in years past they're not spreading it around it's really these two guys and that's about it fully fully agreed and you know what the beautiful thing about Jameis Winston is yeah he's, he's definitely gotten better and his accuracy is a little bit more on point but he's still gonna throw enough picks <laughs> to make to ensure that he has to keep throwing the ball it's great it's like this circle that he just can't get off of he's gonna keep chucking it he's gonna throw enough interceptions to require that he keeps chucking it. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The beneficiaries of him chucking it like that over the weekend was the Seahawks. Another impressive performance from an MVP candidate, Russell Wilson. Uh, he is just dominating fantasy leagues, just dominating the NFL right now. His receivers, they're one of the main recipients of that. Tyler Lockett, he goes 13 for 152, two touchdowns. 40.2 points on the day, looking to be in that wide receiver 5-ish mark after Monday night goes through. DK Metcalf, he was my start of the week last week. Six receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. You have to be feeling pretty good right now if you are any if you have any stock in the Seahawks offense. And Jake, do you think maybe this changes anything with the recent addition to Josh Gordon, who they claimed off waivers Friday when it seemed very unlikely that he was going to drop that far in the waivers. I, uh, it was, it was odd, wasn't it? Uh, that he got that yes. far. Yes. I understand the, all of the baggage that he comes with at this point, And he's yet to put together uh, a complete season basically since his rookie outing really, but I really didn't expect him to get quite that far. And on a team that is, they're not passing as their first uh, outlet still, really. They're, they're still trying to lean on the run, I think, w when they're able to. So 
Now they have three really superbly talented wide receivers, physical guys. Um, I don't expect Josh Gordon to come in and automatically push for a, a significant amount of targets. I think it could take at least a couple of weeks uh, to get that to happen if it does. So I'm still all about, if you can use Josh Gordon signing to go get a Tyler Lockett or go get DK Metcalf, if they're, if their owners are nervous about it, right. I would, I would do that. Right. Yeah. I think this is more going to eat into that David Moore, that Jaron Brown type role. And because we, we know how Pete Carroll is. He's not going to go out there and say, Hey, DK, you know, take the pine after coming out with a career, a career performance. And I think Tyler Lockett has again, secured himself in just that, just that you know, safety blanket for Russell Wilson. It seems like whenever he's you know scrambling, trying to make plays there, that Tyler Lockett's doing the same thing down the field for him. Yeah, Lockett's having a. If it was, I didn't think it was possible coming into this year, but he's having a career year uh, with efficiency again. And every year, it seems like we talk about this. It's unsustainable. Tyler Lockett's efficiency, right. <laughs> and every year he proves us wrong. He's got a higher catch percentage than he's he's ever had. And he's he's doing the work. It's incredible. Yeah, and again, I don't think the Seahawks have the strongest defense right now. Even after the addition of Clowney uh, earlier this season, it still doesn't seem like it's going to be up to par against a lot of these NFC teams they're going to be facing. So again, I, I do expect some high volume going to those receivers. And Chris Carson, you can fire him up every single week. Uh, I hope you dropped Rashad Penny a while ago, though. Yeah, anybody still clinging to Rashad Penny is a little too stubborn to be still playing <laughs> fantasy football, I think. You got to know when to cut that bait. And and that was probably weeks ago, but if you still have him, now is your opportunity. Please cut him. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, some other news here on Sunday. Ravens. Baltimore Ravens just took it to the New England Patriots. As a Steelers fan, I felt very conflicted. I loved seeing the Patriots get whacked, but... Uh, you know, didn't love seeing the Ravens doing the whacking there, but needless to say, <laughs> 37 to 20, just domination by Lamar Jackson on the ground once again. This guy's like watching a Madden video game, honestly, the way he's playing. Uh, however, even though he had 28.6 points in the game, fantasy wise for himself, Lamar uh, and Mark Ingram they showed up. But it seems like the remaining weapons in this offense kind of left some to be desired here. Mark Andrews comes out 2 for 21, just 4.1 fantasy points on the day. And uh, Hollywood Brown, 7.8 points on the day as well. This is three games this season that Mark Andrews has put out less than six fantasy points. Uh, how, how do you feel about this game overall, Jake? And how do you feel about you know some of these Ravens offensive weapons that haven't been up to par as of late? Well, I... First, I have to admit that I fully whiffed on Lamar Jackson this weekend. I was one of those guys out there saying, I don't know that he's an automatic start this week with Lamar Jackson, that New England defense. We haven't seen the test, but I don't want to be the guy putting out the tester uh, on the right. matchup. And holy crap, did he prove me wrong? But, um, you know, I'm not as worried about Mark Andrews as as a lot of folks are. This was a really brutal matchup for him. New England had allowed the fewest points to tight ends by a mile um, prior to this game. So I, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup. Marquise Brown was coming back and looking 
okay. I mean, uh, from a real life football perspective, right. he was he was looking better than I thought he might coming off that injury. But he was coming off an injury, so I'm also willing to let him, you know, slide a little bit there. I, I think they'll all be looking much better next week against Cincinnati. Uh, I think that's pretty much a get-right game for for the majority of them. But yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, freaking out about them certainly. Yeah, Hollywood was shadowed by Stephon Gilmore, maybe the best corner in the game so far this season. So. In real football terms, he had a pretty solid game, made a couple nice catches. Uh, just didn't really see that separation. We've been used to him seeing down the field. My biggest concern with Andrews, and as a guy who has Mark Andrews in a majority of my leagues, it's just it's Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst. Do you not? Does that not scare you as much? Because Mark Andrews, he was like seldomly out there. It seemed like on Sunday Night Football and. It seemed like maybe it was just the game plan. They were scripting these guys that the Patriots weren't really looking for out there because it seemed like every time Andrews was really on the field, they had him in some some interesting zones, uh, some double coverages of sorts. So I, I don't know. I, I just didn't like the usage there. And again, maybe it was a game plan, a game script thing, catch them off their toes a little bit. But I don't know. That did concern me a little bit. Yeah, I think his biggest issue in this game, Andrew's biggest issue, is he is not their best pass-blocking tight end. Right. Uh, Hayden Hurst is is much more of that kind of guy, and so I could see why they put him out there because I, I you knew that they were going to have to run on the Patriots a little bit to keep them off guard. That's They had the dual-threat quarterback. You have to keep them guessing, is it going to be Ingram taking off and running, or is it going to be Jackson taking off and running? But both of those other tight ends are perfectly fine outlets uh, for the short yardage passes, but they're also much better blockers than Andrews. So I think this was a lot of uh, game script dependent, uh, and they just didn't scheme him in necessarily as much as you'd like. So do I think that he's going to recreate those first two crazy games of 100 plus yards and a touchdown on nine receptions? No, probably not, um, unless it's the right matchup for him. But I'm also, tight ends are so bad as a whole this year that I can't imagine, unless you have a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey, that there's somebody that you would rather roll out than Mark Andrews on a a weekly basis. For me, at least, I still consider him a top five guy the rest of the way. Yeah, you're kind of in that, like, between a rock and a hard place almost, it seems like, just because there's no one out there on the waivers you're going to pick up and feel comfortable starting, and... At this point, his trade value is less than it was, so you're not going to trade him either. Yep, fully agree. All right, Jake, what do you think about some buy or sell? We have some some people kind of broke out over the weekend as well as some duds that I'd like to hit on real quick. All right, let's hit them up. I two three 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 to four seven to four now four now five to five to five now four 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 now has eighty four four now five 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 eighty five. All right, I want to start here with. One of the guys that I totally whiffed on in the preseason, I, I just did not see this type of season coming. And ever since week two, I've just been, I've wanted him in every league and just been unable to obtain him. That's Cortland Sutton, uh, the second year receiver. He's in the midst of a breakout year, 17.3 more points coming to him on Sunday. And Brandon Allen's first start, uh, he was wide receiver 13 going into this. He could be in that wide receiver 10-ish range following this. Do you like Sutton as much as I do moving forward, Jake? Or does Brandon Allen 
uh, still worry you a little bit under center? And do you think that you know amazing catch over Denzel Ward kind of is leaving a little more a little more joy in fantasy owners' lives than you think that's going to be there throughout the fantasy football playoffs? Well, the thing about that catch is that you know that he's capable of doing that and on a fairly consistent basis. He He's shown that he has that highlight real ability in, in pretty much every game. And now he's not even dependent on quarterback. I was genuinely concerned when they swapped out Flacco for his supposed injury that he's dealing with and brought in uh, Brandon Allen. But, I mean, he proved that he's going to target him. He, he likes him. He looked his way a ton. Um, it wasn't his most efficient day necessarily, but as long as he has the volume, that's not going to matter. And obviously with Emmanuel Sanders gone and Deshaun Hamilton proving that he's he's barely uh, a receiver at this point, um, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of competition for him. It's, it's really, I mean, it's him and Noah Fant are the two guys that this offense is going to run through. Lindsey, of course, will still get some of those dump offs. And, uh, but but when you have a team that's proven that they will throw the ball a lot and you're the guy, I think you have to ride that. Uh, just out of curiosity here, Jake, like I want to throw a couple names out there for you. Who would you rather have rest of season? And just, just give me your reaction on these real quick. Sounds good. Cortland Sutton or Robert Woods? Ooh. This one's painful to say because I was so high on Robert Woods coming into this season, but Same. it is Cortland Sutton for sure. OBJ or Cortland Sutton? This one's less painful. I was completely out on OBJ for redraft purposes this year. I just, the new coordinator, the, the whole coaching that's happening there is so baffling. And uh, Baker is not seemingly in the right situation, which means that. Odell is not in the right situation. I'm still going Sutton. All right, last one here for you. Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton. Ah, boy. This is much closer than the other two. I think I would actually go Keenan Allen here. Yeah, I think the Chargers are going to get some things right here as well. I agree with you on that one. All right, Zach Ertz, 25.3 fantasy points on the day. Uh, we had a lot of overreactions, I feel like, in the fantasy community after the last couple weeks from Zach Ertz. Do you think you know that was purely an overreaction by us fantasy analysts last few weeks? Or do you think this is an, a very good sell-high opportunity for Zach Ertz owners moving forward? Yeah, I actually think this week was more of the outlier week. Um, it, it's been pretty consistent now that Zach Ertz has been on one trajectory and Dallas Goddard has been on the other trajectory. And uh, Goddard's arrow seems to be pointing up still. I know that this was the Ertz game, um, but but this is the only game aside from week two, I think it was against Atlanta, where he looked like the guy he was last year, where he was that locked and loaded number two, three tight end option for fantasy I think that this is a little bit of an outlier and, and Dallas Goddard still is eating into his snap count so much that I can't really trust him. Uh, obviously you're not going to have much better options at tight end, but if you're able to sell him um, for a nice dime after, after this performance, I would look into it. Uh, I mean, Dallas Goddard again, kind of came in four receptions, 39 yards, 
Again, that's getting it done. I think Goddard, you know, has some tight end, high end tight end two or a low end tight end one upside moving forward. And Zach Ertz and the whole Eagles offense, I'm honestly down on a little bit moving forward just because Deshaun Jackson, what we saw in week one from the Eagles was so, so electrifying and, you know, so promising moving forward. And then here since you know we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for you know every Eagles fan has been like hey wait until Deshaun Jackson gets back well turns out Deshaun Jackson is actually going to have surgery he's going to be out longer than anticipated I'm kind of out almost on the Eagles as a whole other than Jordan Howard I think yeah I'm interested in the backfield still Jordan Howard for sure I'm actually still interested in Miles Sanders I, I really like how they're incorporating him the last few weeks it hasn't necessarily led to him lighting up the scoreboard each and every week, but but I do like it. All in all, I don't like the tight end schedule. Well, obviously, they have their bye week coming up. Then they go to play New England. So uh, I, that's two weeks that I wouldn't feel comfortable starting. Obviously, Zach Ertz, you're not going to start him week 10 when he's on bye. But coming off of that, I don't trust him either. And yeah, I think in general, this offense is a little, it's too many peaks and valleys to really feel comfortable with. Also, an uncomfortable feeling for fantasy owners is is Sony Michelle. I mean, this guy has been nothing but it seems like a touchdown dependent fantasy option. I mean, we've seen the efficiency more as of late, but last night only four carries for him, one reception, four points. Uh, you liked what you saw out of Sony Michelle last night, but you didn't see a lot. Or where do you stand as a Sony Michelle owner here? As somebody who has him in two leagues, I am terrified. I have, I've been trying to sell Sony Michelle for weeks. Honestly, every time that he has some semblance of a good game, or if you just look at his stat line and it looks like he was wildly involved, um, I'm trying to sell him off of those high games. Obviously, here, you're not going to be able to sell him off coming off this game. He makes me nervous. It's the same thing that we've seen year in and year out. It's these Bellatrix. It's these, I don't know who we're going to use. This could be a Brandon Bolden game all right. of a sudden. And so, yeah, I, I don't like him from a consistency perspective. And even if his matchups, he gets Philadelphia uh, in week 11, which is uh, not good. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's just, I don't know. Unless you get your touchdowns from him, I'm not comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a talented back. It's just... Last night was such a weird, you know, play calling. Like, they were running the ball consistently with James White. You don't see that much. And Rex Burkhead being healthy, I think he eats into that as well. Again, I think you're kind of between that rock and a hard place if you're a Sony Michelle owner, though. Uh, you know, there's definitely a market out there for him. Teams who need, uh, uh, you know, some RB depth, uh, a running back, too. He's been my RB, too, in a couple of leagues just because, you know, I'm a little desperate at this point. But. Uh, it, it's it's a tough situation overall, and I, I think you kind of just have to ride it out and hope maybe one of these games, uh, these highlight games, comes for him before your fantasy football trading deadline, and maybe t try to package him out for something a little steadier uh, to one of those teams who's maybe out of contention. For sure, for sure. And I, I do think you have to play him. That's the unfortunate part of it, is that you can't, he's a guy that you can't really sit because he will have that breakout game. And he's going to do it on your bench. And so you're just, you're kind of stuck with him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have for you on Around the League this week. I'll be right back 
after a quick break from our sponsors. Uh, I'm going to bring in my start sitting Seth Colm for the week to round out the show. Jake, thank you again so much for joining us. I had a blast, man. I hope you had a good time as well. Seth, this was awesome, man. I'm so glad that you brought me on. This was a treat. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Again, you can follow Jake on the Twitter bird at Jake Trowbridge. You can also find him on the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football podcast. Jake, thanks again, man. Have a great rest of your week. Woo, you too. Thank you. Coincidentally enough, Start Sit and Seth this week is presented by Tom's Pizza and Restaurant. Tom's Pizza, we're going to talk a little bit about my relationship there and how I've grown to love the restaurant since working there over the last couple years. Uh, but Tom's Pizza, they got it all, folks. They have handcrafted foods such as pizza, salads, pitas, hoagies, and so much more. From their distinctive Greek pizza and atmosphere to the family favorites, you'll love the handmade dough and the homemade sauce. Located at 11 South 7th Street in Indiana, PA, stop in today to get waited on by myself or my other amazing co-workers. You know, we're a family here at Tom's, so we'll also have carry-out ready for you, or we can even deliver to your house or your dorm. Again, that's Tom's Pizza in Indiana, PA. Call 724-463-7960 today. Start, sit, and set. In this week's edition of Start, Sit, and Seth, entitled Start, Sit, and Tom's Pizza, we dive into how it's kind of a little funny sometimes how in both life and fantasy football that every once in a while something unexpectedly emerges and becomes a crucial part of you. Uh, It usually happens when you need it the most but expect it the least. You know, in addition to talking about, you know, those late round sleepers you pick who become a fixture of your lineup each and every week, and those you know waiver additions, those in the scope candidates that every week you're picking up, you're hoping they pan out, and well you know you you find yourself a weekly starter, someone who could lead you to a championship down the road. But in this instance, I touch on a very special place to me, Tom's Pizza here in Indiana, PA. You can find the column for yourself at thepen.org, but. Just talks a little bit about how you know this little family restaurant here has become such a huge part of my life, shaping me for the better as we move forward here out of my collegiate career. So check that out. You can also check out Tom's on South 7th Street in Indiana, PA. Now let's get to it. A quarterback I'd start this week. He's a bad man. This brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. Jameis Winston for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston and me, any of my readers and listeners know, we've had a very love-hate relationship throughout his career. Big college fan of Winston. Since he has been in the NFL, I've not been a fan of him. But here we are. Jameis Winston has been balling out pretty much this, this season, other than a couple of turnovers that he has just about every game. But in a matchup here in Week 10 against the Cardinals that features Week's 10 highest over-under, 52 is the over-under there. I think there's plenty potential for fantasy points for Winston this week. 
Not only do both of these players have some of the fastest-paced offenses, the Cardinals are number two. You know that. That's what you get under Cliff Kingsbury. And the Buccaneers are also a top 10 pace of play offense, probably because they're trailing so much. But regardless, I think that right here against the Cardinals defense that allows the second most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, it's all going to come together for Jameis Winston. And he's going to deliver you a QB1 performance this week. A quarterback I'd sit this week. Here I sit in a low-lit room. I think I'd like you right on top. Mitchell Trubisky, Chicago. Don't do it. Don't you dare do it. Yeah, we all know it's bipocalypse this week, so six teams on by. You're going to do some desperate things, but do not start Mitchell Trubisky this week. Uh, this guy has been just, just bloody awful this season. I was a big Mitch Trubisky fan last season. And I, I get it. The options are thin, and Lions give up the six most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. However, Trubisky has yet to surpass 260 passing yards. He's not running as much as he did last season, and he has scored a total of five, count them five, offensive touchdowns this season. If you're at the point where you need a, if you need a streaming option and you're desperate, I would much rather look at Ryan Tannehill or Ryan Fitzpatrick this week for a start spot instead. A running back I'd start this week. I used to play running back. Jamal Williams, Green Bay. Really happy I get to put Jamal Williams on the start list this week. Since returning from that scary injury he suffered in Week 4's Thursday night football matchup against the Eagles, Williams has been an absolute joy to watch over this last month. Uh, at times, he's proven he can get it done on the ground, 104 yards in Week 6, and he's also proved he can get it done in the air as well. I mean, we, we've seen this Week 9. Last week, he had 6 receptions, 39 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Yes, the touchdowns are going to drop off at some point. We know that. However, I think uh, he's carved himself out a role in this Packers offense that I think gets back on track this week against the Carolina Panthers, who allow an average of over 105 yards and 23 fantasy points to opposing running backs. Start Jamal Williams if you need a high-end RB2, a great flex play this week. And with Bipocalypse, I think you're going to. So start him up. A running back I'd sit this week. Here I sit in a low-lit room. I think I'd like you right on top. Nine Himes, a guy I was kind of high on coming into this season. He is yet to uh, yet to really be anything. And yes, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now is looking like it would fit in your RB2 slot quite nicely. How, however, Hines has only reached double-digit fantasy points once this year. That was all the way back in week four. And I just don't think the necessity for a pass catching rule is going to be here in week 10. I mean, they're playing the Dolphins. And yes, the Dolphins do allow one of the league's most fantasy points to opposing running backs. However, I think with the Colts up this week, if you really need a streaming option, I would almost prefer Jordan Wilkins. While he's not going to get that passing work and has definitely has a lower floor, if they're up and they're trying to rest Marlon Mack, that's who I think they go to over Naeem Himes. A wide receiver I'd start this week. Robert Woods for the LA Rams. 
This is my big shot. I'm calling this week. Uh, it's been it's been a very disappointing season for Robert Woods and his fantasy owners thus far. However, I think this week's matchup is his get-right game of the season, and he should be in your lineup for it. Yes, the Steelers, you know, they have been better on defense as of late uh, since acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick back in September. However, they have been susceptible to the opposing wide receivers. They're middle of the pack. They're 18th against them. And I think right now, coming out of the bye, defenses are starting to key in on Cooper Cup a little bit. I, I think they've seen what he can do one-on-one. Brandon Cooks, we know he's rolled out already heading into Week 10 as well. I don't think Josh Reynolds is as explosive as Cooks, so I think Robert Woods has to get involved here early for the Rams to succeed against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field on Sunday. A wide receiver I'd sit this week. Here I sit in a low-lit room. I think I'd like you right on top. Going back to Heinz Field, Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh. You know, it felt really cruddy having to tell you guys that I want to start Jameis Winston this week. Feels really, really cruddy too that I'm telling you I would probably be sitting Juju Smith-Schuster and that I am sitting Juju Smith-Schuster in at least one league. Uh, again, you know, there's six teams on by this week, so you might not have better options. However, the trajectory for Juju right now to get into that double-digit point threshold that we try to hit here and start sitting Seth, it's not looking good right now. He has been limited to less than double digits in the three of the last five. And Smith-Schuster, he's going to be shadowed by lockdown corner Jalen Ramsey. Right now, until I see a little more, I, I think, you know, if you have a guy, I'm starting Mike Williams up on Thursday Night Football. I think if you have a guy somewhere in that threshold, the Christian Kirks of the world, DJ Chark even, I might be looking that way rather than playing Smith-Schuster this week. It's a sad reality, but right now he's not consistent. And until Mason Rudolph figures out how to throw the ball downfield with a little more accuracy and a little more confidence, I'm going to sit Juju Smith. And that's all the time we have for you today on Start Sitting Seth on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next week to get you prepped as we make our way to the fantasy football playoffs. And don't forget to check out all the other awesome content we have for you here at thepen.org and keep it in between.